Welcome to the Remembering Ethan podcast. I'm Chris Tafoya. My guest today is Stefan Platamoni. Stefan met Ethan in third grade when his family moved to Prescott, Arizona, and he was by Ethan's side pretty much through all of his adolescence and into adulthood, and they remained lifelong best friends. I met Stefan a couple of times in Phoenix when he was roommates with Ethan at his house in Tempe. Stefan is a very talented trumpeter, and I saw him perform maybe two or three times with uh, Tate, I think it was. And over the years, he and I have worked on some music collaboration. Nowadays, Stefan lives in New York City and is still playing trumpet. And since uh, he knew Ethan so well and for so many years, as I'm sure you can imagine, he has lots of memories and stories to share, so much so that we weren't able to get all of those um, stories and memories and thoughts out in one episode. So I had two conversations with Stefan. Um, today we're going to play part one, and I will air our second conversation later on in season two. So here's my first conversation with Stefan. I hope you enjoy it. Yo, Chris. Great to see you, buddy. How you do? You too. You too, man. Dude, I'm trying to remember the last time I saw you, and I think it was in in the hallway of Ethan's house in like 2006 or seven or something like that. For real? Has it been, really a long been that time. long? Goodness. I think so, man. Because I mean, we worked on um. You did those tracks for my album that I released a few years back. Right. And then um. Good. Before that, what year did you leave Phoenix? Uh, two thousand seven. So you're. So it you're, was probably it was probably. Uh, wow, I never thought about those terms. I mean, because we haven't connected, I guess, just not physically in the same room. Um, right. Probably right. That's yeah. That's kind of amazing to think about that. Uh, so it it is good. And then I saw you in uh, two thousand fourteen or fifteen or whatever when we we did like the zoom thing so that I could help you uh, figure out that machine I sent you to record your tracks on. Right. Right. Yeah. If zoom was a thing back then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> all right, man. So before we get into Ethan and I am, uh, first of all, I'm so excited to talk to you. I mean, I definitely had to edit my questions because <laughs> I've got so many questions, but We'll we'll get to what we can get to, and as we were meant, as we were talking about before we started uh, recording, yeah, maybe at some point we continue it on down the line or something like that. And that seems to be a theme with guys that I'm talking to as well. It would um, be my before we get my pleasure. Sorry to cut you off, Chris. Yeah, it would be my pleasure. I, I it's uh, I mean, let me actually just interject and say real quickly that uh, like we were saying before we got rolling here. Um, you doing this podcast is really a beautiful thing. I really wanted to give you um, props for doing Ethan right in this way. Um, it's really helped me process, continue to process my feelings. You know, here we are looking at almost two years coming up and I still haven't really made peace with what is, even though, I mean, I know I have to at some point, but just the thought of having a conversation, the conversation that you had with Mike, all therapeutic for me and really helpful to and joyful and fun to relive memories and 
Um, it's my absolute pleasure to talk about Ethan because, I mean, I can't even say his name without smiling, right? And I think everybody has that same experience that anybody who really made contact with him probably has a similar feeling. And that is, you can smile when you think of him because we were always having a good time with him. So uh, thank you so much for doing this. I think it's beautiful and I know Ethan would be proud. And uh, yeah, I just really appreciate you doing this this work and and because I, I can only think that if if it's helpful for me it's going to be helpful helpful for other folks so thank you Chris thank you for your words Stefan it means a lot to me man um yeah. I just you know it was uh, I'm just happy to do it <laughs> and thank you for being a part of it and I know this is going to add a lot of depth to Ethan's story and uh help people get to learn a little bit more about him because you've got you know, you've got a lot of years in a friendship with Ethan. So, so yeah, sure. I'm happy to do it. Let's Beautiful. get started. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, where are you and what are you up to nowadays? Um, I'm in Brooklyn, New York, and um, I'm holding down the day gig, um, but pursuing my passion, which is music. Um, the jam sessions and trying to get on Latin gigs as, as, as much as I can with some of the, the New York's finest Latin musician musicians. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that's really the story. My wife and I just enjoy living here in uh, Williamsburg is where we live in, in Brooklyn. And we just get to kind of tool around the neighborhood and check out restaurants and go see music and really just enjoy New York because, um, you know, it's, it's, it is a premium to live here. It's, a, it's, it's not easy in, in a lot of respects, but we really sure. enjoy the things that are here to be enjoyed. So um, that's, that's kind of where this finds me right now. Awesome, man. I, I'm definitely a little envious of you. I haven't had a chance. I've been, a, I've been around a lot, but I haven't made it to New York City and uh, that just that area in general. I mean, I just can't even imagine the, you know, the hub, clash of cultures and ideas and probably creates like this hybrid interesting cool like vibe and feel and everyone feeding off of each other and it is that yeah i it's been years i've been here like i say since 2007 so here we are to 2022 whatever that is but um i still feel you know when i moved here especially there's this it's just this real energizing energy here that uh the way every day is a fresh day and you kind of get a new start with there's always um you know a chance to kind of to take another pass at something and 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 grow and learn and and yeah there's always there's no end of inspiration and that's it's kind of a, a double-edged sword depending on how you look at it because there's always the, you know the talent well is pretty deep here and you can either be depressed or inspired but uh you know actually as we get into ethan we'll talk about how he might teach one to be inspired, you know, because he was in general, a positive guy. Um, and I think he was always, you know, really, yeah. Um, espousing like positive viewpoints. Um, but yeah, that said, New York is just incredible from the music standpoint. I mean, it's just so rich. Uh, there's just, there's no end um, of, of inspiration. And, and uh, I, when uh, Ethan would come out and visit, we would always, our problem was what not to see. We had, we had there was too much uh -huh. stuff to go see, to go check out one night. So we'd cram as much as we could in, but we'd have to cut off a couple of things that we really wanted to do because 
um, oh, wait, you know, Mike Stern's playing at 55 bar and, um, oh, but uh, shoot, there's the, the, uh, the, the, um, the, the Apollo talent show is going on and, oh, um, Wayne Krantz is over at, uh, you know, this club and there. He's, so we were just, you know, bopping around, just hitting, hitting all these clubs and seeing tons of music and, and uh, New York is great that way. There's just so much to enjoy as from a musical perspective, but also food and dance and all the, all the fine arts and all. And then, yeah, just the vibe, the energy, everybody's very creative and very expressive and it inspires you to, to be that way as well. And you describe it very well. <laughs> <laughs> well, come on out, man. Come on out. I got, like I said, like I joke with everybody. We, I got a, a bathtub you could sleep in and we'll have a good time. <laughs> Yeah, I've heard there. Uh, th that's the other thing is that out where you're at, uh, it's famous for very small apartments with very big rent payments. <laughs> that's the deal, uh, especially but you get on, all that other stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's just a totally different space, time, money continuum. And things don't equal out here the same way that they do in Arizona. <laughs> you know, a mile of travel here is could take the same amount as sixty miles in Arizona. But anyways. Uh, uh, Anyways, oh. Yeah, come on out here and we'll, we'll, I'll show you. We'll, we'll talk about it. Okay, man. I'll, I'll add it to my list. You know, I've been talking to so many people and I've gotten so many invitations that I'm like, okay, how can I uh, <laughs> bring this to my wife and work it out? <laughs> there's like five places I want to go now. So I appreciate the invitation. And at some point I will take you up on it. Cool. Can't wait. Um, well, uh, so are you originally from Prescott as well? Were you like born and raised there? No, actually I was, I was born in New Orleans, Louisiana, proud to say. Um, yeah, Very my, cool. yeah, my folks are musicians and my dad played in the New Orleans symphony there actually. And then, um, yeah, quick backstory. I mean, we, we need to get into Ethan, but some of this is relevant because, um, uh, I came from, uh, yeah, coming from a classical background and then, um, my dad was actually in an auto accident that ended his career tragically. He wasn't really expected to live. So he's, he's a miracle really that he's, he's still living kicking to this day, which is great. Um, but after that, my mother decided that we needed a change as a family and uh, elementary school, Miller Valley, which is unfortunately no longer there, but uh, just a little tidbit there. Uh, Ethan's mother, Kathleen uh, went on to be a first grade teacher there for many years. Um, and she was actually, she was studying and become a teacher when we were in fifth grade. So she would go up to NAU and take classes and um, get her, uh, my words are failing me, I guess, teaching credentials to teach at Miller Valley uh, Elementary School. And, and um, like I say, that, that school is no longer, no longer there, but we had tons of formative memories. And Ethan, just side note, um, Ethan would go back after high school and after college, even he would go back and 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 do a music show for Kathleen's first graders. So he would do kind of you know what you had me do for your kids, Aww. you know, to say you know here's here's music and this is what we do with it and this is how fun it can be. So he would do that every year and 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 uh, yeah. so Miller Valley was a big part of our our upbringing and Kathleen being associated with the school of course and um, knowing all the teachers and it was just it, and it was a good it was a good 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 school. We had a lot we had a lot of fun and it was a good. It, um, some very beautiful, thoughtful teachers there. So was it like third. fifth grade? Third. When you guys met? Yeah. 
third grade. Okay, so you got there in second grade, and then you met Ethan in third grade. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember who the other second grade teacher was, but yeah, third grade, it, and it ended up working out. This was another kind of tidbit that my mom shared with me recently was that I was born, um, like I was a little bit older. I was in, born in December. So there became a, I, I, in, in, in New Orleans, I did a Montessori school and there was like a, a decision point of whether I could be um, advanced to like my, I, I could have been old enough to have been maybe a, a third grader when I could have been second or something like that. So it was a little bit, um, however you want to look at it, destiny, what have you, that she chose for me to be in the certain grades where I could connect with Ethan because meeting him and his family had this huge impact on my life. You know, absolutely, you know, he changed the trajectory of our, both of our upbringing, if I may say. Um, so that was fun to kind of learn that. But um, what I wanted to say also was that, so when we got, we met in third grade in, in May, so they typically would sit you alphabetically by last name. So we ended up sitting next to each other. And then from third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, we had, it just ended up, I'm not even sure this would be interesting to know too, if, if this was just coincidence or, or people knew that we were buddies and made it so, but we ended up being in all those classes together when we could have been split apart. But we just, from third grade, we, I, you know, I really don't remember some of the, our first conversations. I just remember that we just hit it off and just clicked instantly and, and just, started having a great time and um yeah just really enjoying each other's company and and uh making you know really busting each other up is what it came down to and uh so um sure. so from third grade uh through sixth grade we were like connected to the hip oh okay so here's here's a good one to start with like what is it you know when you guys met like in third grade and then you know as you were progressed in your friendship, what kind of things would you like to do together early, early on? Um, yeah, well, sure. Like, you know, those earlier years. Um, so he's, a, he was the only child. I had a sibling uh, who at that point was pretty mean to me. Uh, we've since reconciled. I love my sister dearly, but you know, we, we had the, the classic um, sibling meanness, you know, she, it was kind of her job to be mean to me. She was a couple of years older than me, but so what that meant was, you know, Ethan, we would get on the phone and he would say, come over. And um, it was tricky because my mom had started her own business and Ethan's parents were so instrumental in our nurturing our, our, our friendship and, and me becoming really a surrogate member of their families that it was easy for them to pop over and pick me up and bring me over so that we could play and, and play would be hanging out. He has this, um, where, where Kathleen is now in Prescott, this, he had this back yard. If you, it's not really a yard, but he just did this kind of this expanse of nature where there's boulders and pine trees and um, just kind of fun stuff for, for little kids to run around and make forts and um, uh, just explore and hike and those types of things. So those are, those are kind of the kinds of the things that we were doing when we were in third and fourth, fifth grade and sleepovers and um I'm also trying to think he would come over to our place as well, because we, I had similar situation. We had a just um, amazing uh, property kind of to, to frame it in the right way, but it was just like this expanse of land where we could just go explore. Like there was a Creek. And so I had a shovel. We'd make a dam for the, for the Creek and watch it, the water build up and then the dam break. And, 
just do little, you know, I don't know, make, like I say, make forts. I had a little tree house, which was a lot of fun. So whether he came over where I came, came into my house or I went over to his house, we would do just outdoorsy kind of stuff, you know, come fourth grade, we were in band together. And, and then we had music class together too. Um, so we had, we had some really, really fun um, experiences and, and, and all these ways we were connecting. And, you know, I, again, I feel like I'm going to get ahead of myself here because I know you have more questions to answer, but like, as soon as I start saying, thinking of this music class, we went to Mrs. Dundas's music class. We would just have a hoot in this class because um, I mean, for, for multitudes of reasons, but one of them was they, they she would play uh, um, I'm proud to be American, the Lee Greenwood song. And we were, even at that age, we were super cynical. And so we reversed the lyrics around. And Ethan was so sophisticated, even at that age, where he was making jokes about, you know, oh, I'm sad to be a Russian, where at least I know I'm not free. I won't, um, <laughs> uh, I can't remember some of the rest of them, but he's like, I won't forget Khrushchev who took that right from me. Or, you know, some of these things where, I mean, here's this like fourth grader making these, you know, we're making these politically uh, uh, intelligent jokes or aware jokes. And um, he was just, you know, uh, well, again, we'll get into it more, but he was, from the get-go, the kid was really sophisticated and really like worldly and, and adults were hip to it. Like, you know, the rest of, I would watch as substitute teachers might come in or even just the way he interacted with adults, he was, he was talking with them more than other kids were talking with them. Like they, 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 they knew that he was up, you know, he was a little ahead of it in, in certain senses that way. But uh, another one that I just want to relay while I'm thinking about on the top of my mind, I, I, this is the part where I'll have to double check the notes and see, because somewhere in there, Weird Al Yankovic, we were getting into Weird Al Yankovic, but I think this might've even, even been before Weird Al, but Ethan came up with, you know, if you remember Glenn Fry's Smuggler's Blues, Ethan came up with sure. Juggler's Blues. He had his own, he wrote, he wrote Juggler's <laughs> Blues. And I, I, you know, if he were here right now, he could recount his verses because he had that mind that, you know, that photographic memory with, with the terms of the, the, the lyrics and the stanzas and stuff like that. He could just, he could sear those into his mind and he just, you know, regurgitate them back like his dad, you know, like his dad is so um, literary that way. Um, but he, so he, and he wanted to sing his juggler's blues. So he went up in front of the music class acapella and was acting like he was like throwing pins and singing his juggler's blues song. And it was just, you know, it's just, it just <laughs> cracks me up to even think about it because it, well, first of all, it's just funny. And then just to think about like whatever everybody else was thinking of it, you know, he was just, he was just so like, you know, this is what I'm doing. And <laughs> it's just, it's just really, it's just so him in a way. Uh, oh, well, yeah, yeah, absolutely that. Um, but in, 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 you know, not only fearless, but just like, just comfortable, you know, and like relishing the, the camera, the spotlight, the, you know, being, being the center of attention. He just, he, he knew he was good at it and he, he just enjoyed it. Um, and, and, uh, and, and, and because he could, you know, he could make people laugh and then everybody was all of a sudden having a good time when he was, when he was on. Um, so. Oh man, e even at such a young age, that's amazing. And by the way, don't, uh, don't worry about getting ahead of yourself, dude. If you're, if it's coming to cool. you, just let it go. I'm not, I'm not worried cool. about that at all. I can skip. Yeah. But, and like, like I say, I mean, yeah. you know, where I was saying this, this podcast is a, is a beautiful thing. And I did listen to your first one with Mike Hill and that was really um, moving. And um, uh, I wanted to say, you know, one of the things that Mike hit on, which I absolutely would echo is that, 
Ethan was so good at making people feel welcome and comfortable. And uh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, that's that was kind of his thing was that he just could um, just invite you in, include you. Um, and he did it in so many different ways. But at the end of the day, it was really about kind of establishing this comfort. And with me, um, I, you know, I think, I mean, we started to just touch upon it a little bit, but like in general, well, even I mean, let's just say even later on when we start talking about junior high and high school, when, when you start really getting a sense of yourself and feeling awkward and really insecure, uh, Ethan was not that. You know, he was like the only kid that was like sure of himself in his own skin. And like kind of the rest of us were so insecure <clears throat> and excuse me, and we could just lean on this guy because he was just like so comfortable. And then in his comfort, you got comfortable because it's like, oh, okay, well, so if that's how it is, then, then you, you know, you just kind of ride on his coattails a little bit. And he was just like, from the get-go, he was just like that. I mean, he was just so, so easy and comfortable and just oh. like, let's have a good time, you know? And, and um, uh, the other thing I jotted down, um, you know, with regard to what Mike said, this incredible positive, positive energy, and we will, I'm sure, talk some more about that, but that's right. I mean, absolutely. The guy was living in a space of positive energy. Um, he was a, he was a ball of light and, uh, you know, you felt it. And um, even, even before your podcast, I started, um, I started keeping some notes on him just, just to, just to capture some of my thoughts. And I called my little document life lessons from a sophisticated rock and roller because he was, he was that. Yeah. He was, he was like, he was, he was, he was rock and roll, but he, you know, was into astronomy and history and, and not that rock and rollers are not necessarily that, but he was just, um, he was all these things like, yeah. <laughs> so yeah dude and isn't it fascinating and, and it's almost like a miracle that he was i mean it sounds to me like he just kind of was the way he was you know it's not something that he worked at or something that he was conscious of he was just kind of that way and it's like it's it's almost like a character that you read in a book or a movie and then you think i wonder if anyone ever really exists yeah who's like that you know because the way you're describing it to me at the at such a young age even so confident and hey let's have a good time it's yeah. all good guys you know it's like oh yeah immeasurably lucky but i mean he was that way but i would also give it up to his folks too i mean his dad is a real character and his mother so loving and empathetic and you know between them they are into music they're into books they're into theater they're into the arts and they were feeding him this stuff now where that starts and where he's, you know, where, where that stops and he starts, I don't know. I mean, cause he ate that stuff up too. I mean, he was just from a, from a young age, he was kind of, you know, maybe cause he was a, a, a um, an only child and they were seeing, they were young parents. Maybe he grew up a little bit quicker than the rest of us. Maybe, I don't, I don't know, but for sure he was just, you know, he's, he's a special, special dude. And I, I mean, just to clarify too, like when I say he was like, let's have a good time. It wasn't like he was like verbalizing that he was, he was saying that with his actions. Um, you know, and just, just his, just the way he was, was like, and the way he would do that, he would just make jokes and make, put everybody at ease and make everybody feel comfortable and welcome them in. And, you know, um, just, yeah, he would just kind of lay down this base of like, of, uh, yeah, here, here we are, and we're going to have a good time and I'm going to make you guys laugh 
and uh, you know, let's laugh together and have a good time. I mean, that that you know, essentially, that's that was like kind of the, kind of the backdrop of where he was coming from. I feel. And through that era, I mean, did you notice any insecurities at all, or anything that he kind of felt awkward about, or um, I mean, was it just not not no, really? Man. I mean, he was. I mean, he was really an anomaly that wow. way. I mean, he I, we talked about this because he's like, yeah, I don't get embarrassed. You know, he's like, yeah, one time somebody pointed out that my fly was down, but you know, so or whatever <laughs> but he you know he just he just seemed to uh he just he like i say he relished the spotlight um he you know he loved to be in front of the camera or be a spokesperson or or have people's attention and um you know and and, and maybe his trajectory was a little bit different like i mean um you know, maybe, maybe later on, maybe some insecurities came in or surfaced or something like that. But in those younger years, he was just so, he had this aura and this is where I was getting at with like the adults as well. Like you could kind of sense, I mean, people would, everybody wants that. Everybody wants to feel comfortable and like not insecure. And he had that, you know, like he just was just like pretty easy going about everything and always ready to find humor in it. And, um, you know, like everything's gonna be all right, man. You know, like he just was very uh, okay with pr pretty much everything. Now, of course, he got stressed. Of course, you know, bad things happen, and 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 you know, life isn't always, you know, peaches and cream or whatever. But just just at that age and that at the, as we grew up, but certainly through school, he was just he was so relatable to everybody. He was very comfortable. Um, you could drop him in anywhere, any place, and he would connect with people. No, no problem. Okay. And, he, and, you know, and he, I think, and he was aware of that too. You know, he knew like, you know, when we start, when you get in the high school era, the, the clicks, it didn't matter if he was with the nerds or the jocks or the, you know, the stoners or whatever. And he was, he was with them all, you know, he could, he could, he could weave in there and make them all laugh and get them on your side and win them over just because, because he could, he could disarm everybody with humor. And, um, you know, like that from like through those, that, that growing up age, I don't, yeah, I really don't, I never sensed that, you know, I, I mean, now that you, when you say it like that, it's like, it sounds weird to say that this guy wasn't insecure about anything at all. I'm sure somewhere in there, there's insecurities, but like, just in general, I, I honestly felt like he was just super comfortable with like life and he really loved it. And he, you know, he enjoyed having a good time with it. How did the other kids react, react to him? I mean, what did you notice about whether he knew the kid, the other, you know, you guys' friends or acquaintances or whatever i mean did he did a big group of people just follow him around or um i mean i would say people are attracted to, to his energy for sure um now you know when we're on the playground it wasn't like this mob of kids following us around or something or following him around i should say oh, but yeah. but i think everybody took notice of the way that he was and the way that he was was just um yeah, just super comfortable, confident, and funny, and um, smart, and, you know, all these incredible attributes, and, um, yeah, I mean, again, we, we were, we, he and I were best, bestest buddies, but uh, um, we all had our, our co-friends as well, but, um, yeah, I, I, I would say that everybody, like like we started off saying, it's like everybody took note. I mean, you couldn't meet this guy and not think like, well, who is this guy? What's going on with this guy? Like, like there's something extra about this guy. And there is, I mean, you know, there is something extra about him. Yeah. 
And uh, did all the girls have a crush on him, like <laughs> even in third grade? <laughs> he would say, every, you know, he would say every last one of them, I'm sure. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, I would assume. <laughs> for sure, for sure. I mean, he, I mean, he was definitely, I mean, that confidence definitely played into, you know, his, his interactions with, you know, with females. I mean, he, he was so bold. And I, you know, I, I mean, that was, again, another thing that you admire as just like a seventh grader, eighth grader, we would take trips, trips to San Diego. His, his family was so gracious and kind to invite me along on these adventures. And we went on, you know, tons and tons of, you know, countless adventures, whether it's Rocky Point or Clear Creek or Fossil Creek or, um, San Diego. Well, he, you know, we were in San Diego in seventh or eighth grade. Again, I, I, I'm a little foggy on the exact years and dates, but you know, I'm at the like basically from like seventh grade on, I'm at the height of my insecurity, right? Just completely, just not comfortable with myself. And 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 he was just like the opposite. And he was like, um, yeah, I'll go talk to that girl. Like like we we eyed up this this gal on the beach, and um, you know, we happened to notice that she was down a couple doors on the condo and he went and knocked on the door and I was like oh my gosh this guy is like so bold I just couldn't I couldn't fathom doing something like that and he and he just you know it didn't didn't phase him he's like you know he's just so sure of so sure of himself it wouldn't wouldn't didn't think twice about it but I, but I also think he knew that too you know that was kind of the cool thing is he he, he understood he, he he could under, he understood that everybody wasn't in that space and so he could he could be sensitive to that Sure. Oh man, that's. I, I remember being that age, you know, and you see a girl that you think is cute or whatever, and like for my personality, I would never go. I'd have to get like a little wink or a smile, and maybe I'd, you know. Oh man. Dude over there, but I had the buddies growing up that could just like you know, walk up to a girl or be like, hey, if I talk to five, maybe one will give me their number. You know, like those guys. It's kind of a deep concept, like the the uh, like that Wayne Dyer talks about, like this idea of like, well, you're already, you know, Ethan would 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 say, well, you're already not dating her, so why wouldn't you try? You know, like if 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 you uh, you know, like that was kind of like well, he, he that was kind of a, a a deep approach to life for him. It's like, well, if it's already not happening, then you don't have anything to lose. So why don't you try? Because right. you're already in the place where you if you don't want to be here. Then you might as well try doing something if you want to be somewhere else. So he was just like, "That's you know that that's how we approach. That's how we saw it. You know and that 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 kind of wraps into some of those other themes that we're talking about positivity. You know, like where he's just like, "Yeah, what do you got to lose, man? I mean, like, you know, you're already you're already not. And man, to have that with to have that wisdom at that age is just fascinating to yeah. me. Yeah, you know, and like you said, I mean, because one of the questions I was going to ask earlier that I'd forgotten was like, how do you think he got that way? But you kind of answered it when you said, you know. His parents probably set a very good foundation for him with what they were what they were doing and what Ethan Ethan was noticing from their actions and what was going on and you know he sort of like took off on his own and you know was reading and being aware of the world around him at such a young age but to, to have the wisdom of like well you know what the way you just broke it down is something that I think maybe in my mid thirties I could you know might have come to that but. I mean, at such a young age. So, but before we move out of the middle school era, you know, elementary to middle school, um, during that time period, do you remember, are there any like 
stories that stick out that have stuck out with you over the years? There, like, there's, there's tons of them, but, but you know, just one or two of them. Yeah, I mean, one of them. Uh, there was a, a racket club, but like an exercise fitness area kind of center close to where I lived, and his dad played tennis, his mom did aerobics, so it was kind of a a good excuse to come by, and I they would pick me up, and I would go out to the club with them, or maybe on their way back from the club, they, they would pick me up and I, you know, I'd end up going over to their house and hanging out with Ethan on the weekends. So we ended up, you know, our, our friendship just was just as tight through the junior high days. Um, but so then come, I think it was eighth grade. Uh, I initially, I thought it was seventh, but I think it was eighth grade. Uh, the talent show came, uh, this, this topic of the talent show at, at PJ. And, and actually on the, right around this time too, we, um, there was another fellow that moved into Ethan's neighborhood, Brian, Brian Carr. And uh, we formed a little, a formed a little band. This is, this equates to fun for us because uh, we were already, you know, well into music at that point. And, but around this time is when Ethan, Ethan was playing saxophone in junior high, but he started um, picking up the electric bass. And so, and that's, that's when we formed this little band, uh, this trio band. Um, and, and so it- What was the name of the band? Third Floor. Uh, there's three of us that was our thinking at the time somehow i don't i don't know <laughs> we right. had like lame names like ghost gray or and then we just stuck on third floor i don't know why uh but uh yeah then the uh, so the talent show is upon us so brian and ethan went to, to pj and i went to, to granite mountain and um we were we worked it out and and um we we were rehearsed our tune and of course under Ethan's influence, which again from his parents, we decided to do Twist and Shout by the Beatles. You know, he was very aware that these were crowd pleasing numbers, and we decided on a white T-shirt as our uniform, white white T-shirt and a or white shirt and a jean jacket. And the only T-shirt I had was too small for me. And rather than finding a, a new a, a shirt that fit, I just you know, like so sillily. <laughs> wore this shirt that I felt uncomfortable and was super self-conscious <laughs> and and of course Ethan's just Mr. Cool and, right. and um, you know hobnobbing and making jokes and um, I was just actually really quite um, sick <laughs> you know like with 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 with, with anxiety of like you know I'm, I'm in this foreign foreign uh, school with you know I don't know these people you don't know and, any kids. And, you know I'm at right. that age where I'm just hyper hyper um, conscious about image and you know uh again insecurity i keep saying it but so and we're up against the uh this this rock band that's like the, it's like basically the, the the tough kids the stoner kids like the kids that like smoke down by the shed like the bad dudes and they're they're, they're named with screamer that was the name of the band and they they were gonna play like okay yeah <laughs> they so they i think they went out first and they did their their version of like like kind of a mix up of ACDC lick meets, you know, they wrote their own bridge to it. And um, the drummer was so bad, he was throwing his stick so wild, he hit his face and he would start bleeding. Like that's how bad he was. And, you know, we, we, we tug out the, uh, it was the, yeah, it was the, we got the drum set somehow. I don't remember this, the logistics of this. We got the drum set from the, the Newman's place and Ethan played his, the bass, I think that his dad made, if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong on that one, but, and, uh, and Brian had his keyboard and we, we wheeled out there and, Ethan led us through Twist and Shout. I, you know, there's actually a video of it somewhere. Um, we need to get it digitized. Oh, but um, I'm yeah, petrified. Yeah. I'm just petrified. I almost look like I'm blind. We had, we were in sunglasses, but Ethan is just, you know, eating it up, singing Twist and Shout. And um, 
yeah, just just having a good old time. And uh, you know, we won him, we won him over, or he won him over, I should say, and uh, we won the talent show. And then <laughs> I was really worried that we were going to face repercussions from the bad, you know, the other group where they, where they felt like they were wrong. Screamer, yeah, screamer, like we were going to get like beaten up in the parking lot or something. But chasing you yeah, with bloody drumsticks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, screaming after us. But uh, no, you know, again, he was he was he was cool. He could disarm everybody, and it was it was like that was a really really fun moment. And when we when we won the talent show, you know, <laughs> and then yeah yeah, and then and then that year. So normally, up until that point, junior high would have been seventh, eighth, and ninth grade, but they made a change in the district where now all of a sudden high school is going to be ninth, tenth, eleventh, and twelfth instead of just tenth, eleventh, and twelfth. And that change was going to happen on our, on our class. So as eighth graders, we were going to, our, instead of ninth grade, we're going to be, we're going to have be like the seniors of junior high. We were all of a sudden subjected to being the fresh, the new freshman class at the high school. So we were, we were really sweating, you know, the, um, you know, <laughs> the, the potential hazing and the whatever goes along with that, that kind of stuff. And, but, but we went, we went straight into the, into the jazz band. And um, and at that point, Ethan let go of the saxophone and just did did bass, and, and we did four years of, of jazz band there, and uh, um, yeah, just had a had a grand old time uh, playing music together, and uh, um, yeah, and on it goes. Well, so you mentioned that he brought the Beatles to you, and I'm assuming that the, there was a lot of Beatles in his house and stuff like. But I mean, what were the 100%. what were the band? Oh, I'm sure. Um, what were the songs or the bands or the music that you guys were listening to, like, you know, around fifth, sixth, seventh grade? What, I mean, did you guys have the similar interest in the music that you were listening yeah. to? At that age, I don't think that we were, we were so listening to the same kinds of things. You know, I'm coming from classical background. He's coming from rock and roll. Um, so we had different sensibilities. They were just more into Dylan and the Beatles and James Taylor and that world that I was had no idea about. And then, you know, like on my side, my dad was really in a big band um, and, and classical music. So actually we had this big record collection, but sadly we never had a, somehow the record player didn't make it in the move. And so um, we ended up listening to, to cassettes. But I think really when we started connecting on listening to music, it was kind of the seventh, eighth grade. And I remember In Excess being a big cassette back then. And his dad would lay cassettes on us, which was cool, like U2 and, um, uh, stuff like that but he you know the backdrop always is of course like his folks um coming from that you know Beatles era kind of thing um but yeah come come you know seventh and eighth grade you know that's when we started listening to I mean maybe sharing sharing interests of, of like pop music and then come come ninth grade is when he actually started getting a little heavier like he, he got turned on to Metallica uh -huh. um I don't know what what did it for him actually. I'm trying to think what it was. If it was, if it was the Justice for All record, and then he kind of went backwards from there. But he he really got turned onto that, and that and he and he turned me onto it too. So, um, and then you know I yeah I usually kind of had a jazz sensibility or was listening to jazz and or more fusion kind of stuff. And our buddy Brian, he was into like jazz, his Chicory, John Schofield, some of these kind of the jazzier or you know contemporary jazz of, of that era. Uh, a Bela Fleck, we got turned on a Bela Fleck somehow. I can't remember where that came from, but was bass player now because he was just out of sight. Victor Wooten at that time, that first Bela Fleck record is, you know, it's like so, 
Wow, how eclectic, how eclectic though, you know, from Bela Fleck yeah. to Metallica, <laughs> like, what? Yeah, yeah, he was, yeah. He 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 liked he 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 liked that too. I mean we I mean we it, it was genuine. I mean we really did love listening to all different styles of music because in, in you know some of the things later on in life when we would go you know one of the things we would do is uh, just um, he got back late from skiing and we just go take a walk around the neighborhood and he put on a couple uh, speakers and we put his his, his um, MP3 player on shuffle and you like oh <laughs> what's going on here you know yeah <laughs> you know you know just these stark stark contrasts from. Dude, and here's what I love about that, you know, because like I'm, I'm, I'm thinking back to my own youth, and you know, I'm, I'm trying to. Well, first of all, I'm wishing that I had a buddy like Ethan, like you. Did. Oh, we all, because yeah. I was su super insecure. I was searching for good music. I was, you know, but I remember I got in with the, one of the things that Ethan and I bonded over right away was Metallica. Ah, cool. Uh, first time I went to his house, I saw all, all you know, his. The collection 5,000 CD, CD collection, or like yeah. was ridiculous, dude. The amount of yeah. CDs he had in his house. But I saw all the Metallica ones. I go, dude, you, you in a Metallica? And he was, and oh, dude, from there. But you know, I, I remember as a kid, it was like maybe like sixth or seventh grade. I started getting into like the Beach Boys, uh, Beastie Boys, like whatever's on the radio, the Fat Boys, Why Ball, you know, that kind of stuff. But then, <laughs> but then, cool. uh, my dad was dating this, this, <laughs> excuse me, this girl who had a son who was into like Motorhead and Megadeth and Metallica. And, and so I would go over to his house and he had all these cool posters on his wall. And it was like, you know, so I started going that way. And in my, in my little uh, community there where I grew up, we had the rockers, right. With the long hair and the whole night. And I, and I associated with, you know, I identified with them. So, I, but I would go home and listen to like, Michael Jackson and James Brown and Bob Marley and but but yeah. I had to do it yeah. I had to do it on the DL though because yeah. there was this word <laughs> poser do you remember hearing that word oh you're a poser because because you're not like oh only yeah. testament and bigger insult yeah right and it, and I just remember it was like you were almost shamed into like hiding what you were listening to but it right. sounds to me right. like Ethan was just out in the open go from Metallica to jazz to you know. 100%, 100%, unabashedly proud. Yeah, he was, uh, um, if, it, if it turned him on, he didn't care. He would just, he was, he would be loud and proud about it. And like, he would be, you know, and we were very cynical too. And like, so we were um, in high school. I remember, um, uh, shoot, there was a boy band and I had a pin that I put on my, my jean jacket and, and sarcasm. And I think I probably could have done that or did that in his, in the space of him because I knew that he would think it was funny. So it was like, it was, it was okay for me to do that. Um, I'm going to remember the name of this band because it was just like, it's one of these guys that's like, oh, of course, those guys. Not right? New Kids um, on the Block or something like that. Or... Yeah, that's what it was. That's what okay. It was, kids on the block. They, they were like the only big boy band back then, I think. That was it. That was it. So we were super cynical about that. So, we, you yeah, know, we would mock that. And, and uh, but, you know, he, he, he yeah, he, he was, he, you know, another, another attribute we would say about him is that he was open, you know, he was very open and willing to um, give things a chance, you know, give things a, a try. And, and, you know, kind of thinking about one of the questions you asked Mike, you know, what did you learn from Ethan? Uh -huh. um, I thought I started thinking about that. And like I say, I, I started keeping these notes even before you had this podcast about his life lessons I got from this guy, because he, he was this sophisticated rock and roller guy. He was, uh, you know, he was in this space of possibility. 
uh, all the time. And, and again, like, I don't know where that comes from, whether it's, you know, part of his upbringing or intrinsic to him being born that way or whatever. But like, I remember, you know, going back to our third grade or fourth grade recesses, our elementary discussions, we had, you know, we had even like an existential version of a conversation about like, well, yeah, I was saying, you know, if somebody, you could jump off a cliff high enough that it would kill you. I mean, I mean, that, that could, ha you could do that. You could, you could, you could do that. And he's like, yeah, but like a bird could like swoop down and like save you at the last minute or something like that. And like, and that's kind of a, like a little view into the world of where he was coming from was like, he was like, just, you know, considering possibility, he was in this way of like, yeah, things are possible. And that's a huge, you know, talk about life lesson right there. It's like, if, if, you, if we could all be in the space of possibility, all the things, all of a sudden things open up, you know, you start seeing things as being like, oh, well, yeah, I, I could do that. Or, you know, like that's a, he's kind of, that's where he was coming at life from, you know, like things yeah. are possible. <laughs> how, how profound is that? Oh, um, dude, I mean, and at such a young age. Just, yeah, yeah. I'm just, I don't know why, I don't know why I'm so fascinated by that. It, it was just, I just can't, I, I can't remember, first of all, but I can't imagine that I would have the wherewithal to have that type of a paradigm at that age, you know, and it, I, yeah. again, like you said, maybe it was intrinsic to him or maybe, you know, a product of his environment or whatnot, but I just can't. Both, both maybe probably both those things. Yeah. Both, you know, I, like I said, you can't, can't discount his hip parents. Man. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're, you know his, his dad's reciting Shakespeare to him and putting Shakespeare quotes in his lunch. His mom is making sure that he's really? up on civil rights and hold on, you know. hold on. So Brad would put Shakespeare quotes in his lunchbox or like his in his yep, lunch for yep, school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brad made lunches for him. Yeah, and he he'd always write a Woody Allen quote or some kind of quote. Really? Put a little. He had a little strip of paper. He write some scribble some little message in there and stick it in. His, you know, made us in his brown paper sack lunch. And it was like, okay, what do we get? And that went up into high school. <laughs> but for sure, for sure, absolutely. It makes sense to me now, knowing that Brad was putting quotes in his lunchbox every day, or his lunch bag, or how, however he brought his lunch to the school. And so, like, it's clicking for me now. Like, some of the things that I noticed about him that were so unique and special and amazing. Like, when I first met him, I was like, man, who's this guy? Like, I would tell my roommates, like, dude, check out my this guy I just met, this bass player. He's super cool. But like, and it got to where my friends and I every week would call just to like chuckle at whatever. Just to hear the message. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was fun. Well, that, 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 yeah, that, that was a thing, man. It was like, let's do a message re recording. And, and, you know, we would, uh, you know, after, after we were 21, we would, we would usually have a few drinks and make a message machine. And um, yeah, it was like an event. And, and the message thing probably, you could say probably goes back to, to, to Brad, I think, or I think it Brad or Brad's brothers, like they, they, I mean, those guys are funny. They're hysterical. They're hysterical people and characters. And, uh, and so Brad like did it, would make his own uh, voicemail and change it up and, and talk about what gigs he's going to be playing and always have like some bits, you know, some comic, comic bits in his, in his, in his voicemail. So, I mean, he was coming from that and his dad, you know, Ethan and I did a lot of, you, know, you asked earlier, and I don't think I mentioned this, you know, what, what were you guys doing when we were young? We did we we did skits and sketches and made like just try to bust each other up and so we we took Brad's radio call sign K R U D crud radio and started making our own you know bits 
like just recording ourselves, just trying to make ourselves crack up, whether it was like, you know, an ad for a dentist, you know, like an, a radio commercial for the dentist where you can hear the person shrieking in the background or, um, you know, like we did this one bit like with what Ronald Reagan was president and, um, uh, you know, we were interviewing Reagan and it was like, well, yeah, how, how do you like your steak, Mr. Reagan? <laughs> well, like just stupid stuff like that, you know, we just, we just busted each other up with that stuff and recorded it. I mean, we've got it somewhere, you know, it's on, it's on, it's recorded. Oh, man. You got to find those and digitize them. Man. Yeah. Be- yeah. I think, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there's that. <laughs> okay. Another story from my 25th birthday. Was it? No, maybe it wasn't 25th. It would, have, it would have been earlier than that. I'm mixing up the birthdays. Maybe it was 20, 21 or 20th. <sighs> We graduated high school in 92. I went to Arizona State. He stayed in town. He stayed in Prescott because he got into this country band. Nothing fancy. And he was cruising around Arizona and they were doing these local regional touring. Uh, and so he, he, he stayed in Arizona, excuse me, he stayed in Prescott and he was doing the country band thing. And when, during that year, he, um, this, and this is on the cusp of, um, like I say, I think even in high school and we, we, did, we, we recorded funny, funny tracks, you know, we make music and um, there were other, other folks we recorded with Aaron Baker was a, was a, a guy that, uh, and Chris Newton, these guys um, um, would go into that, that downstairs and we'd record and just, you know, make fun, funny music. Well, while I was away at school, he got together with these other guys and they recorded an album of just, you know, just really, really funny, like par- parody music of, you know, a ballad and like, um, a punk upbeat punk song or and uh just goofing off and uh you know they and he gave me a this cassette he's like you're either gonna love it or hate it and i love it it's hilarious and and to this day i mean there's a funny story in that i mean so i got this tape from my you know from my best friend in college and i started playing this tape and everybody's like what is that and pretty soon like guys in the dorm were all singing along these songs like that these guys wrote in the you know the garage the basement studio uh just as as jokes you know because they're 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 making fun of themselves as songs but they're really funny and and to this day we still make jokes about these songs and uh so so anyways and then flash flash forward okay here's here's the 25th birthday that was on a cassette you know like old school analog cassette he took it to some some studio and he had the guy uh remaster it you know ethan was so enthusiastic about these I can, you know, my mouth is getting sore from smiling so much because when you talk about this guy, you know. <laughs> Mine's a little sore too, man. You've had me smiling this whole this whole conversation. So he's like, you know, I got I got the I got EVP uh, remastered and and um, uh, digitized, and he gave me a CD for my 25th birthday, and he he did he did digitize some of these earlier sketches. So I gotta wow. find the CD. It is digitized. There are some sketches. Oh, there. must man. be in fourth fifth graders you know making these little jokes yeah, like you know so cool yeah just 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 busting each other up yeah yeah that, just that kind of stuff in general is is fun to go back and listen to because I, I did you know the little cassette thing or i'd sing the songs on the radio or hi today i'm gonna yeah, you, know, yeah. you know you do these little skits or things like that here that you know what you and got and ethan had put together like that would be so cool and i bet it was an what yeah. a great gift too I mean, that's a very unique gift to get for your birthday. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, along those lines, both of my families, like we, you know, always felt like a homemade card and homemade gifts were always richer, of course. And um, yeah, we, you know, he was, 
we we gave each we made each other's cards and and made each other's stuff as gifts and wow. you know just to basically to bust each other up you know sure. um, and he was he was really good at it <laughs> <laughs> you know super super creative super smart super you know just witty intelligent all that all that good stuff like i say the history sophistication um the references and that's that's that, that's why we got on so well is like we could always get, kind of keep bantering back and forth and just you know busting the gut, butt guts with each other we just sure. keep one upping each other and making each other laugh and there's a couple of there's a couple of guys uh that i've talked to so far who, who shared that dynamic with them is well, mike mercer was one you know he was Sure. He was talking about how, man, you know, one of the things is that just Ethan could match his wit, and they and they both had a very like Ethan could go down to his dark sense of humor and make fun of things they probably shouldn't have been making fun of, but it they kept it between yeah. each other. Oh, yeah. They had all the and then yeah. Alan Chadwick was talking about you know inside jokes that they'd have on the stage together, and you know, oh yeah, and then Doug yeah. Bale, absolutely I was talking to Doug, and you know like, uh, you know, do you know Doug Bale? I'm blanking on it. I'm okay. not, I must have met him. I'm assuming because he's associated, but I'm 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 not. It's not. Can you give me give me a well, sense of why with the so connection? Doug, with Doug might not have run in the same circles as as you did. He was actually a friend of Alan Chadwick's, and he was Alan Chadwick's roommate for a long okay. time. And he had a band called Margatron that uh, Ethan played bass in. Gotcha. So, but okay, I'm I'm sure we crossed paths somewhere along the way. Yeah, maybe at a show or something like that. You know. It's uh, orbiting yeah. around Ethan, <laughs> but uh, you know the, the thing about Doug is that um, especially when he was younger, a very dry sense of humor. Right. And he'd tell a joke like with a straight right. face, and and he was kind of like you know one of those kind of guys. And I could never. It was hard to read him. Hard to read. Yeah, he was hard to read. Yeah. Good guy though. He designed the cover for my first album, and you know we were in the same circles and we knew each other and that kind of stuff. But it, it was always like. One of, so one of the questions I asked Doug was like, how did Ethan match up with you? Because I mean, you've got a very quick wit. And he's and another thing about Doug is he throws out these one like he does an interview with uh, Brian Chartrand on um, a podcast out of Phoenix called Soul of Story Goes. And Brian interviews Doug. And if you listen to that interview, dude, it's just I love Doug's sense of humor. I mean, he does one liners, he throws, but he. But he tends to like get off topic, but then he'll come back to it. And one of his favorite things about Ethan was that Ethan could keep up with him in that way. You know, it's like he could almost match anyone's wit or intelligence. And that is just oh so, yeah, man. for and sure. Like, yeah, I mean, he was he was so well read. I mean, like, um, and all all different things. Like one of the things that you know uh, that he imparted on me like I was never history was always a kind of this like ugh, like you know I I grew up thinking that it, it, I remember th like actually seeing my sister cry about having to memorize these dates for Mr. Whitley's history U.S. history class and what a how awful it was it was just like oh gosh I'm not looking forward to that Ethan was you know Ethan was this this book nerd I mean he would, he would go home and you know he just he, I will say that he one of the, one of his gifts also was his imagination and he was a very conceptual person and 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 so he could he could read things and really understand them in a certain way and and, and visualize them and experience them and and in that way he he turned me on to history like so we had u.s history in high school and 
um, again, I'm scrambling, writing down dates and he could, he could under, he had this chicken scratch, you know, he was left-handed and he had this handwriting that only he could read kind of, and he had like a shorthand for himself. He would make like little notes that would trigger thoughts or memories for him. And that's how like history was like nothing for him because he could really understand, he could visualize. And so like one of the gifts I got him for a birthday was a VHS you know, box set of, of World War II. He was really into World War II. And I really, you know, could, really didn't have any much interest in it, but I knew he was into it. So I gave him this, 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 these tapes and he was like, these tapes are awesome. And he would tell me, you know, the dramas of World War II and like he would, you know, make them come alive. And he turned me on to it. And I'm not like a history buff, but I certainly, like I ended up reading a, a book that he read um, with, the old, with, the, with the old breed. It's by this guy, E.B. Sledge. And it's this guy, he was a Marine on Peleliu in the South Pacific. You know, everybody thinks of South Pacific Iwo Jima because of the, the photo, but some of the heaviest fighting was in Peleliu. I mean, yeah, I, I don't want to pretend like I know much, but anyways, this book, he turned me on this book and, and it, and it really opened my mind to, to history and like what, what you can learn from it. And I guess just trying to bring it back, like he was, whether, you know, he would read Batman comics and he would read World War II and he would read, um, you know, classics, um, Dostoevsky or, um, just all he had, he had, he would read tons of things. He was like a, he was a fiend. He would, he would, and he, and he, and he could imagine it and he kept it all clear in his head. And, and, he, and it was, you know, it was just like, that was another one of his gifts. And I would say, so bring it all the way back to like, like references and wit and things like that. He was drawing from this huge base, you know, like he understood he could, he could make, he could reference a lot of stuff. I mean, not even talking about like movies and comedians and TV and pop culture and stuff, stuff like the stuff that his folks were up on as well. You know, like I, when I, you know, would go over there to their place on weekends, I, I couldn't hang with the Saturday Night Live. Like my body clock wasn't adjusted because I just didn't go to bed that late. But they were up watching Saturday Night Live till midnight. And his dad would bring me down stairs. You know, I would be half asleep or I would be asleep. He would carry me down asleep and put me put me to bed at, in junior high. But Ethan was up there, you know, watching Saturday Night Live, <laughs> getting the jokes, you know? <laughs> wow. So yeah, he was, yeah, he, he, he like I, I keep kind of keep saying all these things. Yeah, but again, that, that makes intelligent. Sense makes so much sense to me because I, you know, I would sit back and watch him interact with other people and just, he could keep up with anyone, you know, and I always thought, how the hell does he know a, a, an obscure Chomsky, you know, reference or, you know, all these different, you know, like Hemingway or he would, he, it was just the most brainy stuff to the most pop culture-y stuff to like, he could just, you know, relates people on any level yep. and keep up with them as well. And it was just fascinating to me because I always thought, man, how do I do that? You know, but I mean, <laughs> he started so young, he was doing that reading and man. Yeah. Well, I mean, he, he I mean, he, I think you know, he was just doing that because he liked it, of course. Sure. And, um, I mean, he was fed it, but he also, he also, you know, it was nurtured, but he also liked it. But I, what I also wanted to say, like, kind of, you know, bring this into another kind of theme with him, which was how, again, how we were talking about how he made people feel comfortable and how relate, relatable he could be. Um, his humanity and how he would connect with people. You know, uh, I, I referenced this earlier as well about how really nobody could meet him without 
you know, you know, you met him. Right. <laughs> you don't, you don't forget that you met him. Right. You know, you met this guy because he was like made such an impression. But like, whether it was an Uber driver or the owner of a sports team that he might have been playing in the in the box office for the, I don't know, the Sun Stadium or where, you know, some of these higher profile gigs, he would connect with people. Didn't matter who. It, it didn't matter. He, he was just, I mean, it was like, like an intentional thing for him to connect. He would relate and connect with a person. Um, and, uh, you know, he kind of set out to do that. And, and um, you know, I, he just, he enjoyed doing that. I think he really enjoyed connecting with people. And, and, and that was just kind of part of what, what made him who he was, is that he just, he would bring you in to his world. You know, he, 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 would, get, he would just cut straight in to wh wherever you were at. And then, you know, instantly you're having a real conversation with a guy, even like, even if it's over a transaction at the hardware store. Sure. <laughs> I mean, you know, some, I mean, not, not, you know, of course not every single little bitty thing, but like, you know, by and large, like, yeah, he was just, he was constantly connecting people and making them, making people, people really feel connected. And actually that reminds me, I did write down a quote that I wanted to share uh, that I think is so apropos. Um, and it's, it's, um, it's Maya Angelou, and I, I, I actually don't have to look it up because I know it, but it's, it, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's something like this. People, you know, might, might remember what you say, and they may remember what you do, but they will for sure remember the way that they make you feel. And that's, he made, and that's why everybody remembers him, because they made, he made them feel good. <laughs> you know, that's, and, 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 and he was aware of that, too. You know, it wasn't like he was, like, like I say, he was kind of consciously doing it. It's not, not, nothing um, not genuine about it. Right. But I'm just saying that he was he he understood like, because because he would say you know some there were people that would approach him and go oh man and they felt so connected and like you know embrace him in such a way he honestly didn't really know where he knew them from. Uh -huh. But it was obviously because he because he connected with them in such a way that they felt so close and connected that they you know he was their brother instantly. Wow! You know? Yeah. I mean that's what he could do. Yeah. That's what he. That's the way he was. It's like you're instantly you're you're in with him. You're you're his buddy, and now you're now you're having a good time because if you're hanging out with him, boy, watch out. You're nothing's going to be happening. Nothing. The only thing that's going to be happening is you're going to be having a good time. That's, 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 you know, if you're up for it, you're going to have some conversation, some banter. And even if you're not up for it, he's going to make yeah. you laugh. You know, I, I would constantly pop in on his gigs, you know, and um, especially after I moved away. But even 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 when I was in town, you know, I, I, I might drop in on a gig and he might not know it because he liked surprises like that. And he likes surprising people. So I might, you know, I might not give him a tell that I was coming, but I pop in and, and you could, you know, if, so even when he didn't know I was there, he'd be making cracking jokes on the mic and making these jokes that probably a lot of people were not getting, but it didn't matter as long as even, I mean, he was probably just cracking himself up, but you know, if you were listening, like, Oh, he's just, you know, he's just doing his thing. And then, and then uh, along with like, including people like, like along with calling people out or in, inviting people in or, um, and calling them out in a positive way, which I mean, is like recognizing, hey, right. Chris is in the house, or, you know, like yeah. bringing you in and and embracing you in that in that way that he that in the way that he could and the way that he did. It was just, yeah, he was just so welcoming, so comforting, and so like um, uh, loving. I guess you could say. Yeah. Well, you heard me tell Mike. You know, like you'd go into a bar, and it was your off night. You know, you're not really looking to 
talk to all you just want to have a beer watch the band play and then you'd call your name and you'd just feel special man like wow look ethan owes me like you said my name and then it would it yeah. was almost like a light a light would shine from inside you you would just instantly feel good because he was saying christopher what's up yeah and it was so i mean it was that but it was also the way he was doing it. he was like hey Chris, oh. yeah, you know like like right. pay attention to that guy that guy's cool you know like you know giving you props you know just right lifting you up right i mean that's and then he was that's that's what he that's the way he rolled man. Yeah. it's just like always lifting lifting everybody up making you feel good he had a lot of energy he put out a lot of energy yeah. and you know that's uh, um it, you know, I guess I would just say that that's it, that it takes energy to do that. So it's, sure. it's not an easy thing. Well, your bat your batteries would run out a little faster than someone who wasn't using a, as much energy. Right. Yeah. Right. Little, little reserve. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was full on all the time. Yeah. It's true. I'm learning like, that. For sure. I'm learning yeah. that. And I always wondered, you know, cause you know, I knew, knew you guys, stuff like that, but I never sat down and had, you know, deep talks with you about it. And, and, you know, in the back of my mind, I just kind of assume, well, maybe he's just that way with me, you know, but it was just. <laughs> he was that way with everybody. He was that way. Crazy. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. And, and it makes me appreciate and love him and admire him even and, and understand just how lucky I was to have met him in the first place, man. It is. Beautiful. Yeah, it's awesome. Beautiful. Yeah. Like I say, I, my, my whole trajectory was changed for sure. I'm a different person because of having our friendship and and i include that you know i also part of that is his family like i say they were so embracing and so warm and you know we i i ended up being another member of the family essentially we, we they, all these trips that i got i was so fortunate to be a part of you know going to rocky point um, like i say we did camping trips with brad we did you know san diego trip san diego trips with kathleen all these these adventures you know his dad would say um, you know, in, in, in retrospect, he's a parenting by adventure. And that's what, you know, that's what he did. You know, we, we, we had so many experiences that were formative, um, just adventuring around Arizona and, uh, yeah. yeah, just having, having good times. At, at what age did he like start, you know, pulling his guitar out in front of groups of people and playing? Yeah. Yeah. I, there was a trip actually that he, I did not go on, but there was a trip back in, I think it would have been ninth grade for us. So that would have been like 89. It was like a, I don't know if it was an exchange. I don't think it was an exchange, but it, maybe it was. it was. The organization was, excuse me, called People to People. And they did a, it was a trip where folks, parents paid money, but kids went to Russia, USSR. Really, um, and he was part of that. He he went to the he went to the no way. Sorry, my sister went. I went to yeah. My sister and, and, and also other other friends, Prescott friends. And went. this is it's ninth like grade. This is ninth went. grade. You're saying to like fourteen, fifteen. Like the summer, summer of eighth grade, I think. Actually. Okay, summer of eighth grade. So, and I went to music camp, and that's why I didn't go because I, I I committed to go into Interlochen actually in Michigan. Huh. Oh, interesting, cool music camp. Yeah, neat. yeah. Uh, but so you asked the question about the, like when he started bringing out the guitar, I, I think he bought a, a guitar in Russia that was like really pretty unplayable. It was like, <laughs> I remember he brought it back. Um, and the, the action on it was so high. It looked like a, like one of those cheese cutters that you could actually like, you know, yeah, right. <laughs> like this, 
the string. So like it would it would injure you to actually play this instrument. I think he, he probably yeah piddled on it a little bit over there, but like he picked up that guitar, like he bought that guitar there, and then you know probably from like eighth grade that summer and moving into ninth grade when he was like like he let go of the saxophone, play exclusive bass. Um, I can picture him like you know of course again around the house there was a guitar in every room um sure. to, to pick up and, and pick on and uh and brad of course being a, a big big part of that and uh i'm trying to think like when we would travel there was his dad gave him his dad gave him a martin guitar i'm the, the martin guitar that he played to the you know on, on, in his most recent recent gigs really um yeah, I, I don't remember, like there's a particular make and he, of course he would rattle off and Brad would, rat, would rattle it off as well. But um, yeah, I think he gave that maybe as a graduation present or maybe it was in 11th grade, but that guitar, that acoustic guitar kind of got him thinking more acoustic guitar, I think. And uh, and so he would, he would bring that out and, and certainly maybe 11th, 12th grade, he was bringing that out around. And um, certainly, yes, I'm, I'm thinking actually back Maybe, maybe it must have been earlier than that because there was a Rocky Point trip where I think he brought that guitar down and we would do campfires and camp, you know, uh, guitars at the campfire. Um, I don't remember if I brought a trumpet on that one, but I, you know, we would do music on the beach, you know, and just um, the way that they, the way that we did this, or the way that I should say they, they did it. And I learned later from Kathleen that this, this comes from her, her side of the family. It said they go down and camp on the beach. Kind of Rocky Point is different from what, what we know Rocky Point was, or uh, Rocky Point back then is not the same as it is now. They, the Newmans would organize these trips and go down into these really um, undeveloped areas and just camp on the beach. And you'd be out there, out in your own little world and we brought guitars and instruments and campfire and um, just, just car camping out of the beach. And it was just, you know, divine. It was wonderful. You just spend a day of, I mean, I learned how to relax with this guy, you know, like it sounds kind of like a trivial thing in a way, but Ethan was, like I say, with this, this notion of he's very comfortable, very in it, you know, comfortable in his own skin. He could very instantly just relax. And, I, you know, I'm a little higher strung uptight and much less so because of having known Ethan, but like you go to the beach, he could just like ease into the water, ease into the beach, you know, well, what do we do? Let's, let's, what are we doing today? We're just going to, our, our agenda is to take a walk on the beach and get a suntan and you know maybe listen to some music and that you know he was just so like yeah relaxed and relaxing that way um so i i yeah i think i strayed a little bit from no where you were asked about originally Stray all you want man um yeah but yeah i think i it, it would be it would be interesting to check and to get to get solid on when it, when his dad gave him that acoustic guitar because i think that was pivotal because it was his own baby at that point it's like now it's he's got his own martin and then and then you know, I think Mike referenced this as well, but it wasn't like he was instantly doing acoustic gigs. Like he was still, you know, he, he was a working bass player with a country band. Then when he moved down to Phoenix, he was doing, he started slowly integrating, or no, he, was, he got the as is as mm -hmm. gig, playing bass with those guys. Um, and it wasn't until years later that he really started working the acoustic thing into like parlaying that into other types of gigs where he was actually playing acoustic guitar. And then, and then acoustic and bass and, and then ultimately, yeah, doing these solo shows like Mike, Mike, like Mike referenced. But um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he knew he also understood the power of the guitar. You know, he'd bring it to a group of people, a crowd, and he knew that 
like I think there was a there was a high school. Um, I'm thinking back to uh, again this U.S. history class would have been eleventh grade, and there was a like a retreat of some kind with maybe the gifted students or something, and he was part of that, and he knew that if he brought his guitar, it was going to be okay. <laughs> that is, he was going to he was going to he was going to be have control and power, and I don't mean that in a maniacal way. It just meant, meant that like, you know, like I say, he loved being the spotlight. It meant that that he was going to like people were going to pay attention because he could play guitar, and he loved he loved how somebody would ask him like, well, can you play this pop song? He's like, well, I don't know, but if you, if you play it for me, I'll play it for you. And they just couldn't, they, they, they were beside themselves. They couldn't believe that somebody could do that. And he, and he was really proud to say that, you know, give me a cassette, I'll, I'll play your song for you. So they gave him a song and he would, you know, learn it and figure it out and do it in his way. And, you know, they had to kind of, uh, come, uh, not, I was going to say eat, eat his words, but just kind of like, you know, believe like, like this guy's, you know, he's talking the truth here. He sees, he said he was going to learn this tune. He did it. And here's his song, and just like kind of what you, you know, I think what Mike was referring to on the wedding gigs, and you would mention like, you know, these songs that like he could just, you know, um, get his way through it. And just, and a lot of that was just the vibe, you know, he's just, he's just, it's not like he knew every last little single detail and was like, it was this pristine, perfect thing. It was like, no, I'm putting it down and this is how it goes. And you're going to like it kind of, I mean, not, not in a negative way, but like, like, let's, here we go. Let's have some fun. And this is how it goes. And, you know, it's okay if it's not perfect. And, uh, now we're having a good time now aren't we you know is like and he wasn't he wasn't saying that stuff but he was that that's what was coming through was his energy yeah. it was just like sure-footedness like i'm here and we're doing this <laughs> sure when i think back to those times that he would direct me through a tune i didn't know um alan put it a good way he goes you know you wouldn't want to go back and listen to those recordings <laughs> but we got the song right, done. Right. We got the song done and had a good time doing it. And when I think back, I'm like, yeah, you know, I didn't do that John Denver song very well, but we completed it. And at the end of it, I was laughing, like, oh my God, I can't believe I just played that, you know, because of Ethan. Yeah, maybe you don't want to listen back to the recording of it, but guaranteed in that room in that moment, everybody was feeling that. You know, like they like he was putting it out and going like, you know, like it, yeah, it was like you could feel that. I don't know. He was, he was just, he, he just understood that, that, that how powerful the, the music could communicate and, and uh, yeah, it didn't matter if it was perfect or not. It was just like, how much funner is it if someone comes up and asks you to, to do a tune then, and you don't know it and then you guys get through it, than it is to say, oh no, we don't know it. And so we're not going to do it or it's not perfect. So let's well, that's always it. a buzz. I mean, and there's a skirting a line. What's that? So that's always a buzzkill. Oh, we don't know that. Go away. You know? Yeah, 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 right, right. So that's, that gets back to that space of possibilities. Like, well, you know, I got a chorus or a lyric or whatever, and he's got some part of it. Let's just put it together. Let's do it. Let's get it. Th we'll get through it. We'll get through it. It's possible. We can do it. And, you know, and, uh, you know, here we go. Three, four. Yeah, <laughs> let's go. Whether you're ready or not, man, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, what here a, we come. What an awesome, dude, just, what an awesome way to approach life, you know, and to see life and uh, paradigm to have truly inspirational totally yeah truly inspirational truly yeah in closing of this part you know what's one of the things i've talked about with his folks is like boy we sure did have a good time we did my goodness my goodness me i mean just we, we I, I know i've said it before but he was and it sounds like i say trivial or something but there is a, a profoundness to the to the to let's have fun together and that's kind of what he was saying with his music too. Is like, let's have fun. Playing music is fun. 
like I studied music and I got to a point where playing music wasn't fun. <laughs> and then it, you know, he, he looped me back in. It was like, and, and that and other things, you know, not, not, not just him, but like he, he was always, it was always very, it's always very clear to him of, of how much fun playing music is and play like, you know, the, like playing as a kid, like joy, like joyful play as the way kids play playing music. Let's play. Um, yeah. Yeah. Boy, did we have a, Boy, did we have good times. I can, I can only imagine. Um, I'm going to get back to you soon, and we're going to pick a day where I'm nice and, nice and fresh, and we can get another block, block two-hour block aside so that we can continue our conversation. I appreciate you taking your time with me today, Stefan. And it's my pleasure. Like I say, it's, it's been like a, this all helps for my healing and my coming to terms with you know, the situation. And, and uh, as I said, I will, again, thank you from the bottom of my heart. I really do appreciate the fact that you're doing this. It's, it's really, yeah, it's really significant. I, I feel the same. I feel like we're healing together and hopefully someone else who's listening is, is also. I, I can only think that. I can only think that because that, that's what it was like listening to you and Mike talk. You know, it's like, oh man, this is, you know, it just stirs a lot of emotion and uh, it helps process. That is so cool for me to hear. And again, Sorry to keep cutting you uh, off, but okay. I was going to say is. that. Yeah, that's how it is on Zoom, right? Because you're like, is this the pause? Yeah. And then the guy yeah. talks, and then no. But what were you going to say? You first, please. Well, well, just especially when you're excited to say, um, well, now I lost my thought, but <laughs> <laughs> I think I know where you were uh, going. But it, it, it was just, yeah, I, yeah, the talking about it thinking about it. Well, yeah, it's ultimately this conversation is a joy. So um, anytime I'm talking about even, as I mentioned earlier, I'm smiling. That makes me feel good. He's doing it to me now. Right. I mean, like, so, so there you go. Let, let's do it any, any old time. I, I, I love talking about Ethan because that's all, that's all it is. It's just good times. Yes, dude. Just like when you're, just like if you're sitting right next to him, you know, it's just a good time and having fun. Like you said earlier, what if you fell off a cliff? Yeah, but a bird could come and catch you, you know? It's like <laughs> living in the possibility. Is that how you put it? Yeah, I, I, yeah. The two, the two things: the positivity and possibility. Like that's like how, that's kind of the space he was in, you know. And 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 yeah. And his folks are really positive too. Like they're, they're just the positive energy there. I mean, they're like as I, I you know, everything was kind of extra with with him and them. You know, like everything's like, oh man, these ice cream tastes so good, and these colors are so vivid, and I mean, just like you know, just like it's just extra and then you, then you start going oh yeah <laughs> yeah this is really cool you know like you're right you know these, this is beautiful life is beautiful i guess sometimes i'll take the cool man someone to say hey look over there pay attention to that right yeah raise your awareness he did that with all of us for sure thank you Stefan. Cool. man i appreciate till, till next time. time thank yes. you Chris. okay have a good night I, I appreciate what you're doing thank you and i Back thank you. you for being a part of it talk to you soon uh, my honor my pleasure thank you That was an amazing conversation with Stefan, and it must have been very cool to grow up with Ethan as his best friend, and I bet that um, they had a lot of really good times together. I look forward to releasing our second conversation because it was just as riveting and full of uh, wonderful insight and stories. 
After speaking with Stefan, it really helped me to understand more of Ethan's background and um, the things that led him to being such a special and cool person. I feel lucky that I was able to speak to Stefan and appreciate the friendship that's growing between us, and it's great to bond with him over our mutual love for Ethan. Please make sure to join me next week when I'll be speaking to Marty Lucas, who is the uh, vocalist and guitar player for the band Nine Ball. He had lots of uh, great memories and stories to share about Ethan, so make sure that you return next week to listen to that. I'd like to leave you today with a song that Stefan performed on in Ethan's band Delcoa called Conversations with the Moon from their 2009 release entitled Simply Listen. He does a beautiful job on this song and it's a great song in general. Thanks for joining and we'll see you soon. Doctors high above Composing his symphony so Raise your glass with me, my friend The end is coming soon Celebrate way things were conversations with the moon
bottle's almost empty But my glass is pretty full And there's something funky being passed around Think I'll take me another one Time's passed out in the corner Hope nobody wakes him up Just keep moving along Through the night Keep filling up my cup Raise your glass with me, my friend The end is coming soon Celebrate the way things were Conversations with me Conversations with me Conversation. Conversation.